So, imagine this. Six-year-old Daniel Grimm, holding my mom's hand, trying not to get lost in the ocean of people inside this massive rock fortress. And all of a sudden, my eyes land on this beautiful image. I couldn't understand it at first, but it just caught my eye. I approached it and picked up the book, and it was a copy of a Captain America comic. It was an issue that came out back in the 80s. I looked around and realized that I was standing in front of over two dozens of boxes full of comic books. Turns out there was a guy from Mexico who would grab old Spanish reprints of old school 80s and 90s comic books and resell them in the fair. Now, dear listener, <laughs> I don't believe in love at first sight when it comes to people, but I know for sure that the second I laid eyes on a comic book, I was completely, absolutely in love. For life. Hello ghouls, and welcome to the Grimcore Studios Podcast, a place where we celebrate all things horror, from comic books to films, video games, and much, much more. Now you might be wondering, what in the nine circles of hell is Grimcore Studios? Well, we're glad you asked. Grimcore Studios is a new horror comic book publisher dedicated to creating new original stories and curating genre classics for modern audiences to enjoy. I am your host, Daniel Grimm the head ghoul in charge of this wicked little enterprise, and I'll be your guide as we start this adventure into the unknown. Hit the subscribe button and follow us to receive some of the best horror content. Hey ghouls, I'm very excited to meet you all for the first time. We've been working on this podcast for a while, and after doing a lot of work with writing, recording, editing, and all the tiny details that go into this podcast business, we're finally live. So once again, welcome to the Grimcore Studios podcast. Now, you all heard the opening credits with all the cool music and a short explanation of whatever the heck we are, but there are still a lot of questions left unanswered. Like, the name Daniel Grimm or Grimcore Studios in general doesn't mean anything to you right now. If you follow horror or comics at all, surely a name as absurdly metal as that would have stood out. This show is going to be dedicated to all things horror, going from the best graphic novels and comic books to classic films and the latest video games. We'll be doing interviews with talented horror creatives and exploring all the different ways the genre shocks audiences around the world. But before we dive into all of that, I figured our first episode should be an introduction to what Grimcore Studios does, and who exactly am I to be talking so confidently about comic books and horror. So let's start with me. Hi y'all, my name is Daniel Grimm. In case you're wondering, yeah, this is not my real last name, but just like Stan Lee, his name from Stanley Lieber, I figured that with starting my own comic book publisher, I could get a little extra if I wanted. If you followed my previous work, you know my last name is DeCalvo, and I'm originally from Havana, Cuba. That's right, in case my accent didn't give me away, I'm a proud Cuban immigrant, born and raised in the capital of the island. I grew up in the Caribbean, in a city that was equal parts artistic masterpiece and dystopian wasteland. We didn't have comic books growing up in Cuba, or at least not any American ones. We had a few short strips that would be published in the back of the national newspaper, but nothing even remotely close to a full issue of Spider-Man. In fact, I'd say that I was actually one of maybe two people I ever met in my life growing up down there who was ever able to get his hands on American comics. The day I got my hands on a comic for the first time will always be ingrained in my memory. 
there was a festival called the International Book Fair. Every year in Havana, where people from other countries would donate books and people would resell them for sheep in Cuba during the summer, taking advantage of the exchange rate. I was around six years old and the event was taking place in an old colonial Spanish fortress called Morro Cabaña. A little fun fact for you there. And it was absolutely packed with people trying to get their hands on foreign books. Now, this was a place where there were only four TV channels and the internet would remain illegal for the public until 2016 so trust me it was a huge deal so imagine this six-year-old daniel grimm holding my mom's hand trying not to get lost in the ocean of people inside this massive rock fortress and all of a sudden my eyes land on this beautiful image I couldn't understand it at first, but it just caught my eye. I approached it and picked up the book, and it was a copy of a Captain America comic. It was an issue that came out back in the 80s. I looked around and realized that I was standing in front of over two dozens of boxes full of comic books. Turns out there was a guy from Mexico who would grab old Spanish reprints of old school 80s and 90s comic books and resell them in the fair. Now, dear listener, <laughs> I don't believe in love at first sight when it comes to people, but I know for sure that the second I laid eyes on a comic book, I was completely, absolutely in love. For life. I was able to get that Captain America comic book, an issue of Daredevil, and a Top Cow comic called Weapon Zero. I was obsessed with those books and treasured them as if they were pure gold. Ever since then, I would wait for a whole year until the fair was back in town, go back to that same guy, and buy as many comic books as I could. All of them were old school, so I ended up reading loosely some of the major comics from back in the day. I read all of the Death of Superman saga, some X-Men, Avengers, Batman, and a whole lot of Spider-Man. By the time I was around 13, I had gathered about 40-something comic books that I kept as if they were relics from a church. Man, I loved those books. And I read them and reread them regularly. But then, of course, I decided when I was around 14 that it was a whole lot cooler to go out partying with my friends than it was to be into comic books. Still, even though I put them aside for a while, I always treasured them and dreamed that I could work in comics one day. When I was in high school, I ended up falling in love with comics again when I got a pirated PDF copy of The Legend of Luther Strode by Justin Jordan and Trad Moore. Now, before y'all jump on me, remember we didn't have comic books and that the internet was still mostly illegal, so I couldn't have gotten a legal copy at the time. Anyways, I read through it and I rediscovered everything I loved about comics and a few new things. This was a graphic novel that was a mix of vigilante superhero stuff like Kick-Ass with some high-level ultraviolence that was drawn in such a beautiful, expert way by Trad Moore that I felt this was the best comic book in history. I was hooked once again. After that, I spent years downloading comic books from the internet whenever I could, with as little internet time as we could have access to once it started becoming more accessible. I realized that my tastes gravitated more towards weirder comics. I wasn't that into the superhero genre by then, but comics like Grant Morrison's The Invisibles, Fables, Swamp Thing, The Sandman, The Walking Dead, and more really did it for me. I was a huge Image Comics fan, and to this day, I think Vertigo Comics is the best thing that ever happened to the medium, and nothing will ever come close. I mean, I'm gonna try, but still. When I was around 19 years old, after graduating high school and doing a mandatory year of military service, I got the opportunity to start a new life in the United States. 
I was able to move to Philadelphia, a city that I had grown up knowing about only because I was a huge fan of the Rocky movies. It was the opportunity of a lifetime to be able to change my life and maybe chase my childhood dream of becoming a writer that I never thought I could do. I immediately got to work. After only a week of living in the States, I had created a private Facebook group and added every single account I could find who worked in comic books. I started networking and meeting creators, learn about how the game works. A month later, I got my first job with Concrete Comics as the editor of their original first three titles. Now, if you're wondering what Concrete Comics is, they're a black-owned superhero comic book company that brings a lot of representation to the superhero genre space. They often do comics that lean more into action, superheroes, sci-fi, things like that. I started out editing a few of their comics and a year later I was offered the position of editor-in-chief at the company, where I remained for the following three years. I really loved my time in Concrete. That's where I learned pretty much everything I know about how to start and run a publisher. I traveled around the country to different comic cons and got to meet a lot of very talented creatives. I got to work on more than a dozen comic books, many of them even went on to be nominated and win a few awards and become bestsellers in the indie comic scene. The CEO of the company, Lonzo Star, would become a very close friend and we have collaborated on a lot of projects together and I look forward to continuing doing that in the future. The main thing that stood out for me was that I had found a very deep love for helping people tell stories. Now don't get me wrong, I absolutely love telling my own stories, but there is something so gratifying in helping a comic creator realize their vision, taking it from an idea to an outline, a script, then art and publishing. I fell in love with every step of the process of making comics, even as I started to learn about the more harsh aspects of the industry. I established my own editing philosophy when helping creators. I want to help every writer and artist to tell the story they want to tell as close to their vision as possible with the best quality that can be found in the medium, staying true to the original intent while also pushing to appeal to the audience. For me, it's all about the creative freedom and the audience's enjoyment, and that's a philosophy I would take with me into everything I do. I published my first comic book during the pandemic back in 2020 called Andy Starboy, a sci-fi comic book about alien mutants in the city of Roswell, New Mexico. The comic gathered a lot of good reviews, but at the end of the day, it barely made a cent. I had two choices, either making another issue or working on something else that might have a better shot at being more marketable. I needed to pay the bills, so I chose the latter. My second comic book was Tenok Got a Fire a high-octane superhero fantasy comic based on Aztec mythology. Think the God of War video games mixed with Thor and using indigenous Mesoamerican myths from the Aztecs and the Mayans. Now that did pretty well, let me tell you. Two very successful Kickstarter campaigns after, I was very happy to see that people were feeling drawn to this action comic and they were really enjoying it. It got my foot on the door of a lot of opportunities and my career was set for a bright future. But I realized that I wasn't happy. To be honest people, I was exhausted. I had fallen out of love with making comics. Superheroes did not attract my attention anymore. I didn't read the comic books, I couldn't stomach the movies anymore. I started to dislike the constant toxic fandoms who would jump at each other's throats over a freaking comic book or a movie. It felt like a waste of time and energy to try and compete with two mega corporations who have exhausted every creative possibility the superhero genre had to give for decades. I was actually very close to giving up and I had decided that I wanted to resign comic books altogether after publishing the third and final issue of the God of Fire series. However, one day I got a sign from above or below. I'll let you guys make up your own minds about it. It was Halloween 
and I got together with my friends to do a horror movie watch party. We had a few drinks, got some food. It was a great time. The first movie on the list was Zombies. If you haven't watched that movie, please go and watch it right now. It's about a zombie apocalypse that takes place in a zoo and it is exactly as terrible as it sounds. I don't think I had ever laughed harder than watching that movie. After that was done, we jumped from one of the worst horror flicks you could imagine to John Carpenter's The Thing. The way I could see the stark contrast of styles and visuals, the tension and the cinematic beauty of The Thing and all the ideas it was exposing, it all just blew my mind. It was almost like being out of my own body. I was just so absorbed in it. When I was talking to my friends after that, my one friend who's a huge horror nut said something I'll never forget. Even when horror is bad, it's still pretty good. Man, let me say that again. Even when horror is bad, it's still pretty good. Bling! A huge light bulb lit up in my head and it exploded right then and there. That's it. That's what I've been looking for creatively. I had come to really not care about superheroes, but horror was an entirely different ballpark that I had never even considered before. I decided to go do some research into the history of comics, and for inspiration, I started reading a lot of horror comic book issues from the 1950s. Series like Chamber of Shills, Tomb of Terror, Beware, Adventures into the Unknown, Tales from the Crypt. There were hundreds and hundreds of horror comics being published at a certain point in time. And these were comics that were be outselling superhero books and caused such a powerful impact on the American cultural conscience that there was even a huge movement to try and eliminate them from the market entirely. These comics were daring, edgy, they were talking about something, oftentimes our own ethics and mortality. They were extremely different from the superhero stuff that I was working on. Now I have a lot of love and respect for everybody who works in comics as a creator. It's a hard industry and if somebody is able to publish and sell a book, I consider them to be worthy of my respect. That includes, of course, my own colleagues who have worked on superhero comics. Heck, even I have a superhero book out. If you are listening to this and you are following me from my previous work, thank you so much for supporting those superhero projects. I have a lot of pride in them and I'm happy they found their audience. So I hope that what I'm about to say does not make anybody think that I have anything against the superhero genre in itself or the people who work in it or consume it. Since their inception, superhero comics were meant to be children's stories with some adult themes. And even after comics started to be aimed more for adults back in the 80s, the genre's basis is still that they are normally adult stories that are told through a much more simplistic lens and with gimmicks that were designed to appeal to younger and wider demographics. The superhero genre is a dramedy of cosmic proportions that takes itself far too seriously. This is partly why a lot of comic book fans tend to be angry when certain topics are touched on their comics, like politics or representation of differing identities. Meanwhile, horror never had that problem. From the very start, horror was a genre for adults, so it didn't pull its punches. Quite the contrary. In horror, horror will tell whatever idea or concept it's trying to tell without having to appeal to children or particular sensibilities. This is why horror tends to be more niche, but its fans tend to be less shocked when they see references 
references to politics, religion, morality, sexuality, or any number of things. I very rarely see horror fans complain about politics in their films, or at least I doubt anybody who grew up with Romero's zombie films, Stephen King's novels, or slasher films from the 80s would feel so conflicted about seeing adult topics expressed in their stories. Horror has always been a genre where you can talk about anything and tell an amazing story without the need to cuddle or soften the blow. You can be honest and raw and brutal, just like real life. That felt more honest and appealing to me than anything I had done so far. I realized that before I decided to quit comics, I should give myself the chance to tell the stories I truly wanted to tell. So I got to work. I quit my position as editor-in-chief of Concrete Comics, all in great terms, we're still friends, and by the beginning of this year I opened shop at Grimcore Studios. I have been talking to several creators for a while about publishing their books with me, and it was really reassuring when I heard that a few people have been expecting me to start my own thing. One of the people who were the most supportive in this was my friend Lonzo Starr, CEO of Concrete Comics, who gave me a lot of advice when I was setting up shop. When coming up with a name for the company, I knew I wanted it to be something immediately recognizable, like Google. Even if it was a weird word, people would get used to it and recognize it as the brand. I loved the work of the Brothers Grimm and their dark fairy tales, and I wanted to create a company that would start its own aesthetic and way of creating horror. Therefore, the name Grimm Core Studios came to be. I hired my good friend Solai Fall, a professor in the Philadelphia College of Art and a great mangaka author of the series Oblivion Rouge to design the logo you see today. A skull with chainsaw spikes around it, all in beautiful blood red. As a fun fact, the original design was inspired by an ancient monument to the Aztec god of death, Miklantecutli, found in the ruins of Tenochtitlan in Mexico City. I knew that I would need a good story to kickstart this publisher. I didn't want to just publish any random horror comic. It needed to be something that would stand out among the ocean of titles that is currently being published. That's when my good friend Rafael Flores Jr. came into the picture. Rafael is a very talented young writer from Texas who I had the pleasure to work with a while back. We had collaborated on a couple of short comics before and one in particular truly caught my eye. It was called The Return of Camisots and it featured the Mayan bad god of death, pretty much a Mesoamerican vampire monster. The story was captivating and the artwork by Brazilian artist Azrael Aguiar was some of the most beautiful stuff I'd seen in years. When I was starting the company, I reached out to Rafael to see if he would like to develop the short story into a full-fledged graphic novel, and that's how Grimcore Studios got its first book. The Return of Camasots will be releasing its first issue this Halloween season of 2023, and we will be making some announcements here soon as well as having Rafael come in for an interview. All I can tell y'all is that this book is going to make some waves. Now every publisher and their grandma says that about their book, but in this case I can honestly say it's the coolest book I've ever worked on. The story is raw and powerful, the artwork is something straight out of a Mike Mignola comic, and the team has been a delight. To work with. We even got a real cool guest artist to do a special cover for the first issue and we can't wait to show you more. Now ghouls, I'll be honest, I'm not a huge fan of talking about myself. After recording this episode, it may appear the contrary, but the truth is, I may appear all confident and cool on the mic or whatever, but in all reality, what I am more than anything else is an artist chasing a dream. I want to work with talented creators in making some of the best horror stories ever told, challenging convention and pushing boundaries, giving 
giving artists the creative freedom they need to come up with truly good stuff. I want to do that through comics and other media. The people who work with me share the same dream, to be able to express ourselves and tell some amazing stories that will entertain and shock the audience. We're very excited and grateful to start this journey with you. If you have listened to this, thank you, thank you, thank you. It is not easy to be a creative, to chase the dream of making comics and creating stories for a living. But your support through listening or following our stories, even the personal ones, go a long way in making all of that worth it. Stories have brought people together since the very beginning of mankind's life on this planet, and many of those first stories told around the campfire by the tribe elders were horror stories meant to teach and inspire. We hope that every single episode of this show and every single comic book we publish brings something cool to all horror fans as we dive into the genre that has touched the lives of so many people around the world. So ghouls, get ready for the ride because it's going to be a wild one and you won't want to miss any of it. Well, ghouls, thank you for listening to this episode of the Grim Core Studios podcast. If you enjoyed listening to it, hit that like button and subscribe. That will help us immensely in keeping the show going and creating original horror stories for you to enjoy. If you'd like to stay in touch with us, follow our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Grim Core Studios. That is G-R-I-M-M-C-O-R-E Studios. Speaking of Facebook, we've got a Facebook group called the Grim Core Horror Social Club where we share free and legal horror movies every Friday and where you'll get to interact with all the Grimcore creators and other horror fans. It's a really nice, really, really, really nice time. We also have a free monthly email newsletter where we share horror news, book reviews, movie recommendations, exclusive interviews that you won't get on this podcast, and more importantly, free vintage horror comics from the 1950s. Trust me, they're a trip. They're so much fun. Now... All links are in the caption for this episode, go through them, enjoy it. That is all for now ghouls, now stay safe, stay spooky, and enjoy the fear. Until next time.